Welcome to part one of this week's Talking Pictures podcast. The political season is heating up and Donald Trump came to town. Cue the music. While Meg and Brian were shooting photos of the Donald Trump campaign stop in Davenport last week, I took the podcast to the people to see what they had to say. As I walked west on 3rd towards the nexus of American politics, I found Dave, a t-shirt salesman, hawking raunchy pro-Trump t-shirts. How about it, guys? Get your Hillary sucks but not like Monica? If you don't bleed red, white, blue, take your bitch ass home, guys. I got all sizes, Donald fucking Trump's too. If you don't bleed red, white, blue, take your bitch ass home, guys. I told Dave I didn't think the Trump crowd was hip enough for his raunchy t-shirts. I saw the few. It's just a lot of people don't want to carry it in there. On the way home, on the way in. Some people buy it on the way in. Some people buy it on the way home. How about it, guys? Get your Hillary sucks, but not like Monica. If you don't bleed red, white, blue, take your bitch ass home, guys. As you can imagine, there were tons of media both inside and outside the Trump rally. One of the newest members of the Quad Cities media contingent is Lacey Scarmana of WVIK Radio. And we chatted about taking pictures for radio. I'm Todd from the Dispatch. Nice to meet you. We do a podcast called the Talking Pictures Podcast, and you are. I'm Lacey Scarmana with WBIK. And what is the radio out here doing with a camera? <laughs> we have a website <laughs> and social media, so we, uh, you know, do the audio story for broadcasts, but share things on Facebook, Twitter, the website. So, we take pictures for a living. You record audio for a living. Um, do you ever get self-conscious, as I am right now, recording you when you're taking pictures when we're around? Yeah, absolutely. I have um, you know, my little digital camera. It's not as <laughs> robust as some of the other photographers have. So, yeah, I, I think you know my specialty is the audio. Um, and sometimes, yeah, it's intimidating to be around a bunch of people who I know have a specific skill, especially photography. Mm-hmm. So what's your approach for this? What do you what do you need to do? Uh, I've been out here for a few hours in the heat, walking back and forth, talking to people, um, some protesters, some people just walking by, some apparent Trump supporters. You know, they have their T-shirts, buttons on, heading in. And what's your what's your best picture so far? Um, I've been mainly focusing on the interviews. Actually, I got a couple of pictures of some protesters that I think turned out all right, though. Cool. Yeah. Can I take your picture? Oh, I'm so sweaty. Sure. <laughs> Shortly after I took Lacey's photo, a man named Delmon took my photo with his pocket-sized digital camera. What's your name? Delmon. You know, where are you from? Uh, California, originally. So, where do you live in the Quad Cities now? Uh, no, no, I, no, I'm just here for this. For you just came into town for here, for here. I told him we weren't used to getting our picture taken, and I was wondering why he was taking ours. Just because just because of all, all that's going on. Okay. Well, I, I've been to uh, some uh, other Trump rallies and, you know, and, uh, you know the, uh, the other ones, and uh, I do the same thing of those ones. So it was, where are we uh, going to end up? It's just something that, uh, you know, that I like to do. Since he liked photography, I asked him about what he expected us to take pictures of in an event like this. Uh, just whatever, uh, whatever's uh, going on, you know, just uh, the enthusiasm, you know, the, the excitement, you know, and, you know, uh, and just uh, sometimes I talk to people, see what, you know, where their heads are at, you know, concerning the different candidates and, you know, and things like this. And, uh, you know, I just, I just enjoy doing it. Cool. Hey, can I take your picture? Yeah. All right. Like most political rallies, this one had its share of true believers. Karen Bowden from the teeny little southern Illinois town of New Athens, Illinois, is all in for Trump. She even sported his signature bright red ball cap emblazoned with the slogan, Make America Great Again. She approached me while I was scanning the crowd for someone to talk to. How do you like being in the spotlight all the time? Kind of exciting? It's just another day. I guess it, it, really gets, I guess it gets old after a while, huh? So, hi, I'm Todd from the Dispatch in the Argus. I'm Karen. As a Trump supporter, I asked Karen what she expected of us visually from our pictures from this kind of an event. All I ask for anybody is just to give them the fair. I noticed the other day on TV that he said that uh, they were talking about Hillary and he said, don't talk like that. They never covered that. 
They never even said that. All I want is everybody to treat everybody fair. Um, if they give her an hour, give him an hour. Don't say something he didn't say. I was at an auction last night, and a black guy come up told me that he said, Trump said he's going to send all of us back to Africa. I said, no, he didn't. Oh, he swore up and down. That's what he heard. You know, just fair coverage. I wanted to know if she paid attention to the images and not just the stories about Trump. And I read the paper, and our state is very Democrat, and they bash him every day. So I quit the newspaper. I called him and told him, cancel my paper. I don't want it anymore. It's just bash, bash, bash. Now, that's in Illinois. That's where I'm from. I had the news Democrat. Oh, okay. So you came from? All the way from Illinois this morning, left this morning. Where in Illinois? Uh, did you ever hear of uh, New Athens? No. St. Louis? Okay. I'm 25 miles below St. Louis in a little hick town. Took us five and a half hours. I went to see him in St. Louis, and I got his signature. I really think we need somebody like him. Uh, my son's in the military, and what Hillary did to Benghazi, our son's a Green Beret. He's out like that. I would have been devastated if she did that to... I was devastated she did it to them, but much alone your own child. I don't even know who would vote for her. Leaking secrets out, same thing as Benghazi. But that's what's great about America. Everybody's entitled to voice their opinion. And no matter how much I tried to keep the conversation on topic, photojournalism and the campaign, she stayed on her message. The media is unfair to Trump. About quitting the paper. Okay, back in Illinois, where I live, the town above us is called Belleville, big Democrat town. I don't, I'm sure you probably know Illinois is big Democrat. So I don't care if Trump did something good. It's not in there. It's something bad. Negative, negative, negative. So I called him up and said, you know what, if you can't say something nice, I don't want to support your paper no more, and I quit it. So they keep calling me up, you want to get the paper? And I was only paying $2 for seven days, and I canceled it. I don't want it. When you were taking the paper, okay. what, what those kinds of images, how did you feel about those images when you saw them in the paper? About Trump? Well, it does, I mean, the negative or all of it? Well, it made me it. very angry because it was always Hillary's this and Hillary's that and Hillary's this, Bernie's this, Trump is no good, Trump is, you know, it just nonstop. Now, was that the writing or how did you feel about the, the pictures? Were the pictures bad? That Pit, they took? The pictures that they took, they were all right. But the pictures of Trump, they never had pictures of him. If something, they would do a cartoon sketch of him looking like he was stupid or something, you know? That was what they put in there. On the other side of the coin, the anti-Trump contingent was a diverse group of people. I don't doubt that they all despise Trump, but standing in the shadow of the Mississippi Loft Department's awning, taking selfies and chatting amongst themselves didn't really invoke a real protest vibe. This event was a long way from what we saw on TV from outside the Republican National Convention. I kind of felt bad for our intern Jacob, who was furiously looking for an emotional protest photo for his portfolio. Our photo intern, Jacob, shares some thoughts on the protest. I mean, I knew there was a chance that it may not be super big, I guess. It's hard, it's hard to know exactly what I would have expected, I guess. I mean, I know I've seen, like, I remember the one selfie from, um, I don't remember his name, but he was a Dallas advocate photographer who had, like, blood coming down his face after being hit with a brick, I believe, um, during the Dal uh, Trump rally in Dallas and everything so but it didn't really when I got there like I when I covered that Clinton rally like there were massive lines of people outside and I never really saw that with this like I guess there was a the theater was at capacity I believe and everything but you just never saw like a ton of people all at once going in I guess because they drifted in over the three hour period or whatnot um yeah and then protesters I'm not like I don't know, they just didn't seem super into it a lot of the time, I guess you could say. I mean, I'm not doubting their convictions or anything, but I, I remember a few times they were chanting, build a dream, not a wall, or something something of that nature, and then they just stopped <laughs> all of a sudden a few times. So it was just kind of like, okay, <laughs> you know, so. I mean, how do you feel about the images you got? I mean, I didn't think they were too bad considering what it was. It's nothing that I would put in my portfolio. Just kind of characters going around a little bit. I remember the one guy was dressed up dressed up all as Trump and standing character, like he wouldn't give his name or anything. I remember 
when I ask him like what his actual name was, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. My name is Donald Trump, you know. And um, I mean, my images I didn't feel like were super great, but from what it was, I didn't feel like they were <laughs> bad necessarily either. So did you did you leave feeling disappointed or did you get anything positive out of it? I got to say I covered a Trump rally. So, <laughs> you know, that's something to say you did, I guess. I was standing at the corner of 3rd and Brady with a group of photographers, and we joked that it would only take one little tiny dust-up between a pro-Trump person and an anti-Trump person to make everybody's front page. That photo would have been more interesting and more along the line of what Jacob was looking for, but it wouldn't have fairly portrayed what was really going on, which was a peaceful protest. Donald Trump, he's a traitor. Russia, go get us those emails. That's called treason. Hang him from the Adler. Second balcony. Only one protester, Rudy, seemed to understand the unspoken relationship between protesters and the media. You chant, wave a sign, and we'll take your picture. You're the only one saying anything. I like to say things. I've been doing this from the days of Jimmy Carter and Kennedy and McGovern and uh, uh, Obama and Al Gore and George McGovern. I've been doing it for all. And I'll go volunteer tomorrow at, the, at our Democratic headquarters and get ready to go either call, go knock door to door, go pick up absentee ballots, take people on voting day because I strongly believe in what Hillary, even though I was a Bernie Sanders supporter, but I've come to see that what, she is the best candidate. If you just, people would just go look at her 40 year career from the days when she was at Yale, what she has done over the years, some of the things she got, but they're not known because she's in, always been in the spotlight. So it's just a chance for somebody just, but you find something negative about the woman, they hammer on it, like these emails. Um, Look what Donald Trump did. He even, he even went one step further. He's told a foreign country, Russia, go steal us those emails. Folks, that is treason. You're asking a country to interfere in our political system. I'm a vet. In those days, even in the days of the Civil War throughout American Revolution, if you were considered a traitor, you would be hung the next night, not even given a trial, put up against the wall and shot. What I would hope these Republicans would do for me is hang him up from the second balcony so everybody would get their money's worth and see a, get a full shot. Rudy stood in stark contrast to his fellow protesters standing down the street in the shade. Uh, everybody has to decide on their individual way in which they want to express their political views. I, I was in the service. I worked at the Department of Army for many years. I had to be silent because you can't really protest when you're a government employee. But I did it in, in secrecy. I really shouldn't say that. But anyway, no, I, nobody, I will do it. It's, it's my voice and my vote. And I plan to stand out here until they go in. And, and I've had said my last say. And I'll come, if he comes back tomorrow, I will be here again. Or if his, if his running mate comes here too, I will be here. Uh, how do you think that the people who are down there who are holding signs, but they're not saying anything? I know. It. They're mute. They're mute. Got to this right here. It's a voice. Yeah, our voice. This is how we get across. Watch me get their people's attention right here. Watch. Dump Trump. He's, hey, ladies, he's a traitor. Don't go in there. He's a traitor. He was relentless. A nonstop drumbeat against Trump. Don't you know what the word treason means? It's T-R-E-A-S-O-N. That's called being a traitor. And Rudy and Karen share one thing. They both think they're right. They both think their candidate is right. And they have no idea how anyone could vote for the other Do candidate. Do me a favor. Hang it from the second balcony. Let me the circus surrounding a political event like this is predictable. Almost boring. Here's Jeff Cook, veteran photojournalist. Covering the uh, Trump uh, rally here in Davenport, Iowa, and uh, I'm going to walk down Third uh, Street here. And just I just got here. I want to see if there's protesters or or for Trump people, maybe sign with signs, 
um, chanting things, just see how many people have showed up. Do you come into something like this after all these years with kind of a preconceived notion, or, or can you help having a preconceived notion? Um, I don't have a preconceived notion, um, but I might as well have one because these events are usually exactly like the last one. But there's always something different to find. But in the end, I wasn't surprised that the Trump protest was kind of boring. People in this part of the country are pretty polite, maybe too polite sometimes. Plus, we have three months before the election. The protest lacked urgency. Maybe next time, more protesters will be as vocal as Rudy. But I'm not sure it will change anybody's mind, especially someone like Karen. I don't even know who would vote for her. Leaking secrets out. Same thing as Benghazi. Everyone is dug in on either side. Clinton or Trump. The battle for hearts and minds and our future has just begun. How about it, guys? Get your Hillary sucks, but not like Monica. If you don't bleed red, white, blue, take your bitch ass home, guys. I got all sides of Donald fucking Trump, too. If you don't bleed red, white, blue, take your bitch ass home, Meg was on the inside, Brian was on the outside. In part two of our podcast, they talk about their experiences at the Trump rally. Testing one, two, three on my mic. Testing one, two, three on my mic. Testing one, two, three on my mic. I'm Todd Meisner. I'm Meg McLaughlin. And I'm Brian Achenbach. And we're talking pictures. Uh, yesterday, uh, which won't be yesterday when you hear this, but yesterday... Uh, the three of us covered Donald Trump's first appearance since being nominated for the presidency of the United States by the Republican Party, the grand old party. Uh, and so Mr. Trump uh, came into town and we covered him inside and out. So, Brian, Yo. you were on the outside. Oh, yeah. What was the weirdest thing that you came across? Um... There wasn't anything, well... Donald Trump impersonator. I led you right into the... That's true. But to me, it's all weird because I liken it to just an entire circus. Because when you go to a circus, there's clowns, there's like elephants jumping on balls. Like It's just out there bizarre. And that's how it was for me, just outside kind of looking at this. I've never covered a rally before. I haven't been to a rally before. Um, I've done caucus night stuff, but I've never done anything like this. So I've seen on the news, like Donald Trump impersonators and what Hillary Clinton impersonators, whatnot. So I guess I'm more, um, inoculated to that. Like I'm prepared for it. I could have guessed that there would be at least one as in for the conversations and the people holding up signs and, um, just all the hubbub of what it was like outside um it was all strange um there's a guy the one that sticks out for me is when i got there there's a man who had this giant it wasn't even i wouldn't like it to a sign it was almost like um it was a sign but it took up the from his tuchus to probably like a foot and a half above his head and it said jews uh for trump and I listen Jew, Jews for Trump. Yes, I've, I've seen him before. But too. this gets a little weird because that 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 wasn't weird enough. Okay, go ahead. No, because he's also Jews for Hillary. He was and, Jews for Bernie too. He was yeah. at the Bernie Sanders rally. And basically, his whole like he's like the first thing he said to this guy who kind of confronted him about it because it's kind of bizarre um, is he's not actually for Trump and. The guy said, well, I wouldn't have guessed that from looking at your sign because it says Jews for Trump. And um, to, to break this uh, like a five minute conversation down to like a couple of seconds, the guy basically said he wants a candidate who brings up all these issues, uproots all these issues. And the first person to kind of air quotes, get in the garden with him and start weeding out these issues is the person he'll vote for. But he also said he didn't agree with a lot of stuff that Trump was saying between the racism or a lot of his uh, 
policies are him just saying or allegedly saying he wants to punch somebody in the face or have somebody punch somebody in the face with violence so, and stuff. So like you have was he at least Jewish? Yes, and he was passing out yarmulkes. Uh, okay, yeah. did but you his, get a yarmulke? No, <laughs> should have. But um, it was. And he, it, hey, man, free stuff is free stuff. It's true, and it was kind of funny with the yarmulke stuff too because he was trying to be like sneaky about it because he wants to give one to Trump, and then I, I can't remember what he said exactly, but underneath the yarmulke. So when you put it on, it's not on the outside. It's, underneath so you won't see it but it says like end the violence or something like that so he'd be like sneakily trying to get trump to wear one of these but i'm just uh, it was it was so out there and his message was so convoluted i just felt like he didn't know whether or not he knew he had a sign above his head saying in essence to anybody a passerby he's for trump right and it was just that was so weird as in like like, you know, the impersonator has a thing for Trump, whether he's in a vote for him or not. You kind of know there's some stance there. You, you generally know with people who are saying like, and they hate and the violence, uh, yes, love, no to Trump or whatever, you know where they stand. But that was the most left field crazy thing I saw because you just didn't expect it. And um, like there's people talking about gun stuff and whether they're right or wrong. You think there's a lot you expected. There's a lot I was ready to be inoculated to for the first time. But I wasn't ready for that, for whatever reason. You weren't just... ready for that. You know what? The interesting thing about that is that having covered lots of angry people before, I never, I did not find in my hour and a half of being out there, I didn't see anybody that was really pissed off. So they, they were holding signs that kind of alluded to being mad, but they didn't physically or emote any kind of emotion. It was mm-hmm. really rather – and I, I, Jacob, who's not here, he's out actually shooting pictures, um, wanted – it was his day off and he really wanted to cover the Trump rally. Um, so I said, yeah, you know, come down. Maybe you, maybe you make a picture. Who knows? You know, maybe a fight breaks out. I, I have no idea what's going to happen, right? And um, I was talking to David Shrivner from the, the Iowa City Press Citizen and you – and after an hour and a half of wander, watching Jacob kind of work the scene very, you know, work it real hard and, you know, like I, you know, in search of that portfolio picture that, you know, will diversify mm-hmm. his portfolio for his, his next internship or job or whatever, um, I, f- I felt bad for him because <laughs> yeah. it was so lame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, people, the people that came out from a, from a visual standpoint, first mm-hmm. of all, they all collected in the shade mm-hmm. of the awning of one building. So they were like almost a half a building away from where mm-hmm. the people who were going to the rally were were coming in. Mm-hmm. So you didn't, you know, they, their signs weren't even being seen by a goodly no, number of people, especially if they parked across the street. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's like, what's more important, getting the word out or standing in the shade? And they, <laughs> a lot of them st- took standing in the shade. Right. But anyway. I think what's interesting about this area, I've covered Donald Trump previous to this particular rally i covered him on january 30th this year um he i think this area i I think we got a lot of trump supporters and i think that we got a lot of people that don't support trump but i think a lot of people were bored at his previous rally um i mean he came to our previous rally in january and brought puppies i mean he he gave money to PTSD dogs and nobody really protested and he didn't say anything that was controversial and this time around I think that I don't know necessarily if he said anything if he didn't say anything controversial but I think that he's kind of boring in the Quad Cities I think that like you said it's the amusement park thing um I think that there's vendors there's the you could buy t-shirts and the t-shirt guys were the t-shirt guys were pretty entertaining yeah they were really and they were really great guys too yeah Um, I I should have brought them up yeah we'll talk um, about them later but I think that this area might be unique in the sense that I don't think that we have a whole lot of people that protest very hard in this area um uh in my time here I haven't covered a whole lot of protesting and um sorry for the mic adjustment yes i apologize for the pause yes i just think it's interesting i think that donald trump is kind of a more of a boring issue in this area i, I wasn't surprised to see that there weren't 
a whole lot of protesters or that it wasn't big. And I felt bad for Jacob, too, that he wasn't going to get that shot. And I, I kind of told him beforehand, I, I don't think you're, it's going to it's not going to be like, you know, we're we're not covering the RNC. We're not in Cleveland. I, I don't think that this is going to be the the big protest you're looking for. Yeah. I, and I, and that was the. Uh, yeah. I told him to spend a lot of time looking off the ball. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that that's the, a key thing for young photographers who are covering these things. Um, I thought Rodney White, uh, the Des Moines Register, posted an, a, a fun picture on Instagram of the person who was bringing in the the, the Donald Trump pumpkin that was oh, yeah. that he had the T-shirt and the and the pumpkin under his arm, so he attended the event with a pumpkin. I can just imagine what the Secret Service thinks when they see a guy coming in with a full size pumpkin. Hey, I'm here to see Donald Trump, and here's my pumpkin. I want to know what the Secret Service's best story is from all this Trump stuff. Because the, imagine the things that they have seen throughout this entire election, between oh, yeah. the pumpkins. I asked. They're really nice. They a few of them were really nice this time around, and they didn't. They said there's there's anything. They said the imagine your imagination is the limit. I mean they they've seen the the best and worst of people. Uh, um, yeah. One of them backstage had said, "Politics will bring that out in you." It was just kind of eh. Yeah. Except for the tr- the Trump impersonator, which I wish I had a- had an opportunity to interview him, only because he stayed in character the entire time. You oh, tell me. Oh God, I hated it. <laughs> it was so bad because I I went up to him I'm like, hey buddy, like I know you're in character, but you know I know you're gonna want to be known as the guy who did this. So why don't you just you know what's your actual name and whatnot? And he, he's like, oh I don't know what you're talking about. My name is Donald Trump Jr. Jr. And I'm gonna make America great again. And I'm like. You do you, buddy. Theater people. We don't break. It was, I yeah. Just, yeah. I was Meg's like, been playing a squirrel forever. She yeah. just doesn't break. <laughs> um, so anyway, the inside, you got in. So you got in. You got in. And the, the interesting thing before all of this happened, when we got the word that Trump was coming, uh, I applied for credentials for everybody through the Donald Trump website. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, we are located in Illinois and the Quad Cities and we are in Moline, Illinois right now. Moline, Illinois is directly across the river from Bettendorf and Davenport. Rock Island is directly across the, the river from Davenport. Uh, and when we applied for credentials, our credentials were rejected by the Trump campaign. And we think it's because whoever was doing the rejecting didn't know that Illinois was right across the river yeah, probably. And so when we got in contact with them, the, the, their person quickly corrected it and approved it and whatever, and Meg got to go in. But it was interesting. It's like, really? There's a map, and it's... I live it, in it, Iowa. I'm in Iowa. I mean, it, it just seemed... It seems like one of those ridiculous campaign things where, well, Bernie Sanders people never sent us press releases or consistently sent us press releases mm. during the caucuses because they were only focused on things that were in Iowa. Mm. So anything that was like outside, you know, slightly outside their peripheral vision, the fact that we, an Illinois paper on the border of Iowa, were covering the caucuses and would, I mean, how stupid would it be for our readers to not cover something that big going on right yeah. across the It's essentially, it's a big highway that's in between. It's like having to cross over the highway to get to the next town. It's just a river. And the, the people, the, these organizers or these, these press people don't get the idea that, oh, you mean there's a paper in Illinois? I mean, it's just, get a map, you know? It, 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 yeah, it's a two-minute drive so anyway once we got that sorted out and you got in what was the general feeling as people wandered in I got in um, around 1230. Um, I, he was supposed to speak at four. So I got in there because um, media needed to be checked in around 1230, 1245. So I got inside and um, I immediately texted you 
because I texted Meisner and pointing at Todd Meisner, not Brian, sorry. Probably should tell you that, but I I, w- I walked inside and I immediately because I've covered Donald Trump before, I knew that I needed to get my spot in the little cage that we have set up. Um, so you're in the Adler Theater, which the is Adler a full fledged theater. It's it not is. like an arena or a, a civic hall. It's in a, and you were in the upper deck or the lower deck. I was in the lower deck. We were in the very back by the sound uh, by the sound operator in the back. And about how big a space did they cordon off for still photographers? Oh, there was no there was no still photographer section. They only have people. Uh, they they have two rows of seats that were available for traveling press, which are people that are not necessarily affiliated with media. Um, but they pay per rally. Some kid told me it was about $10,000 for him to be covering Donald Trump and not be affiliated with media. And then they had ABC, AP, CNN, Fox, um, NBC. I mean, you know, you're yeah, paying national yeah, media. Right. The rest is free game. Um, the rest is free game. They have a stage. I tried to climb onto the stage, but I got uh, tapped by a couple people telling me that I needed to get down because I was shaking the cameras when I shake the stage. Oh, so that's the, the TV guys. So the TV guys, they were pissed. And so I, I couldn't find a spot. Uh, even at 1245, it was completely packed. Um, so I ended up going and sitting next to the sound guy. And already I was feeling a lot of tension. I mean, I was already getting a lot of... Uh, there was no like camaraderie with the journalists. And I know they're all competitive, but the... There's usually a sense of camaraderie between journalists when covering um, these political candidates. I've done it enough times that I've made friends with a few people. Um, but the, the, it was all, it was negative. The people were, um, you know, selfish. She, this is my spot. I can't share this. You can't be on here. Um, n- nobody, nobody wanted to be nice. There was a lot of tension. It felt like there were a lot of um, high stakes, and I'm not really sure why. I mean, it didn't feel like it was any different than the, the caucuses or any of the other rallies. People who were filing into the actual theater, the supporters, they, they, they were either really nice or they really weren't. And our reporter, Stephen Elliott, who he's on Twitter, you can go and check out some of his tweets. He was talking to people throughout the entire time. And some people would say that they were completely for Trump and they loved him. And some people would say, no, he's a complete liar. I hate him, but I have to vote for him. So I'm here. Um, and that's a good way to describe kind of the audience. I mean, they're either people that really loved him or people that just are like, oh, I guess this is what I got. I mean, fine. Um, they did the, the Pledge of Allegiance at one point. Then they sang the national anthem. And it was interesting because there were a lot of people that a lot of people stood up to do the Pledge of Allegiance and sing the national anthem, but there also were quite a few people that did not stand. And uh, I'm not kind of, uh, coming from a small town, a Catholic school. Um, when you when you do the national anthem, when you do you think the they they didn't stand up for for lack of um, I don't know. I, I guess I don't want to assign motivation, but they they did they do it? Did you get the sense that they were doing it out of protest or they were just too tired to stand? I don't know because he was an hour late. I don't oh. know, but people were, I mean, but the general feel of, cause I, they were closer to the back, the general, so I could see them. The general feel looked like they were mad. Um, they, they were pissed off. They could be, there were a lot of disabled people at the rally, a lot of disabled people at the rally. So, um, I can't imagine having a lot of disabled people in the Adler theater. I counted mm-hmm. 10 wheelchairs. And they put them all in the back by the sound, which made the oh. sound operator, which made it much more tight. I guess I'm, the thing that interests me that is that the now having covered way more of these things than I care to admit, the the people who were being tense from a media standpoint was that before the national media came in, or were those were you did the people being terse or tense with you were they local people that you normally have a good relationship with the people the local media came later than me um all tv needed to have been set up by 11 a.m so national media was there first um they were already set up i mean we were i saw um acosta the cnn reporter he was working right. on his makeup when i got there at twelve thirty. so he they were there first the local media channel four and the times Channel 6 and 8 were there as well. And they, I mean, I said, hey, to Sarah Green, one of the TV people, and Jeff Cook and I from the Quad City Times, we sat together. So, I mean, local media was fine. I mean, we, we know each other. Oh, uh, so what you, media. so my, well, my guess is you're getting the, you're beneath me, beneath me oh, network. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Now I know where you're going. All right. Um, yeah. That's, well, that's not unusual. I mean, the com- no. camaraderie amongst the, I mean, there's some guys that I know that wander through here that are, national media that I'm, you know, I've known for years and that's never a problem, but, 
yeah, dealing with the um, blah, blah, blah from MSNBC, who's really tired of being on the campaign trail, who's been following whatever and hasn't seen his family in however many days. And he's sitting there with his tripod and you're on the end of the of the standard and it's it, his shot shakes a little bit. And then New York is yelling at him in his right ear uh, through his IFP. I Yeah, I, I know. I've been there. It was just meaner. Of course. Of course. It was like that, too. It because you're rallies, dirt was, on their feet. Right. But it, there was it, and that's how it always was, even in January. But now these they are so burnout that it was worse than than your normal like well yeah i mean i can't i mean i don't know i wonder i wonder if the national media are drawing straws to not cover him that's what i got the general feel of i got i even took pictures of some of the media laying on each other some like there was a guy from abc and a guy from cnn one of them was just like laying his head on the other guy's shoulder i mean they were just exhausted they just seemed exhausted it was just an overall negative atmosphere just in the media area alone Interesting. I wonder if they went to Cedar Rapids too. Like if they have they to go to, to. Like each one. They said they were which going is just to the, the yeah. marathon. Well, that was to see. That's why I asked if they were there or not because because normally they come, well I don't know. And a lot of times they come in with the Trump people through the Trump thing. They quickly set up and the thing starts. So they come in on the plane. They, they must all be being asked to travel separately. They're on a charter. Some of the people, they, there was a charter that must have come in earlier because yep, the Trump be plane came in 10, later. Yeah, ten or eleven. Interesting. And they and was there any front access? Meaning, were you pulled from the from the? Okay, how did they handle the the only pull? local, only local AP and Getty um, were able to go into the be the pool photographer uh, for five minutes, and you couldn't go down there until about fifteen minutes in. They the woman came up to me and she asked me, "So are you are you local?" And the one of the the Trump campaign woman, uh, she was in right. charge of all the media. She came up to me and she said, are you local? And I said, yes, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm local news. And she goes, okay, so you're the only local news person here. And a part of me was like, yes, yes. I'm the only one. And she goes, so, so seriously, you're the only Iowa local news photographer here. And I go, no, um, honestly, I'm not the only local news person. Um, I, I pointed to our competitor, Jeff Cook, and I, I pointed to Sarah Green and Channel 4. I could I, honestly, no, I'm not the only one. She goes, but you're the Iowa side, right? And I go, no, but I cover Iowa. She goes, but so I don't understand. How are you not the Iowa newspaper? And See, still the, be local this is, news. this is, this and is so the we reason. Right. I think we, I think we should have probably, we buried we buried the lead yeah. in our conversation <laughs> yeah. of the, of, of the, of the press organization mm-hmm. which is General J Trump and and it's not just him it's a lot of people that it's the the idea that states are somehow divided by the Berlin Wall right you know your only one. your only interest is Iowa well, you should have said, hey, when you flew in, you, you saw that body of water, right? That's the Mississippi. Well, they <laughs> landed their plane in Illinois. Yeah, so they would have to also it's not cross. like It's not like they didn't have to cross the river to get to the venue, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I mean, how stupid do you have to be? I mean, pardon me for <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like you're in charge of a presidential campaign. <laughs> Public relations and media relations, and you didn't know that the states abut each other. And haven't they, they've been and here that their newspapers right? in the other state? I mean, come on, for Christ's sake! Three times. Yeah, okay. so they had to have known, but they. I mean, well, and I wonder if it was the same person because the Trump campaign has also been cycling through quite a few campaign hands at this point. I mean, the person that ha- that helped us to get there, yeah. and I forget her name, was. Beyond helpful because once she found out there was a problem, she's like, send me the emails. I will solve the problem. Boom. And it was done. And Meg was in. But then whatever. (laughs) It's like, stop sending underlings to do jobs. But anyway, no, I mean, this is not. I'll tell you, I've had I had a conversation once with a White House staffer in the press office about, you know, where, you know, we needed to be or, you know, could we be the pool or whatever and there, and it was like I had to explain to her that the Quad Cities is is technically two cities on either side of the river in Illinois and and Iowa, and we have to cover we cover each other equally. It's just that there's a river in between. It's not like we don't come to Iowa. And she's like, "Oh, okay, perfect. Okay, well, that's good information to have." And you know, she solved my problem in two seconds. 
you know, as I stand out of, I remember standing out on my deck, back deck, having this conversation with this very nice young White House staffer when right after Obama was elected and, and she solved the problem. But it was this kind of weird disconnect with the river and and hell and the people who live here don't even get it sometimes that like, well, I don't I don't shop in Iowa or I, I never go to Illinois. Why would I go to Illinois? <laughs> it's like it's just a river. Well, she she eventually got tired of hearing me explain that and didn't really comprehend it. So she goes, "Okay, well, everybody gets to go." So she she kept Jeff Cook, the still photographers, <laughs> and like two other people that weren't actually shooting for anybody. Somebody had a John Deere Classic lanyard on, but said he wasn't media, but he was hoping he could sneak in with us. And Jeff and I were like, "Okay," and he was shooting with an on camera flash the entire time, back from the soundboard with a kit lens that was like an eighteen to. 200 I, it was bad i just there were so many people that wanted to be media and were trying to sneak into being media i got photos of it people arguing with the 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 pr person trying to beg her for this chance to shoot donald trump and it made us look bad because then wow taking out of context taking out of taking kind of context interesting quote Anyway, go ahead. It made us look bad because now all these people right. in front of us, these these supporters or non-supporters or just locals that are here um, to see this, they turned around and they're like, "Wow, the media begs to see Donald Trump. They just have to like it. Just made us look like we wanted uh, him." And I'm like, "No, no, that's not the case. Like now he's they're feeding into his narrative." Oh this this negative narrative on media. So we eventually got to go down. We had I waited maybe fifteen twenty minutes outside of the outside of the actual theater. There was a lobby because um, she had to go pull all the photographers, and it, it was a little frustrating to have to sit there and wait um, for her to get the other photographers. But then I, don't, I I have no idea what I missed. We ended up walking down um, past Secret Service. We walked in between a lot of people. I was told I had to be crawling to get anywhere. I couldn't stand up um, to avoid getting anyone's. Uh, way of watching Donald Trump speak. So I shot this above, like, into his nostrils couple shots. I mean, it wasn't even worth it. I should have just stayed where I was. Um, got a few photos from there. Secret Service was fairly nice. Being, I mean, being the pool photographer wasn't a big deal at that point because everybody was because she was tired of hearing people complain and argue. Uh, we were there for, I think, a total of two minutes. I mean, I barely could get my exposure down before she was like, we're leaving. Two minutes. So we walked back up, and then I had to wait for everybody outside of the lobby, like back oh. in the lobby again, to come back up, and then we got to go back in, and then she let us go up to the upper mezzanine. I mean, it, it, you felt like you were being treated like an animal on display because... Did it well? Did it seem completely and utterly disorganized? Oh yeah, that leads me. Okay. To, the la- I missed the last thirty minutes of the speech because she said that she would give the the local media, just Jeff and I, the opportunity to get the rope line, which is the p- supporters meeting with Donald Trump. And I mean, that's the picture you're looking for. You're looking for the for local people, with Donald Trump. right? He could even be though, on a stage anywhere, even right. though it says Davenport, Iowa, on his sign. That it doesn't matter. What you want, you want to see your your readers actually interacting with the candidate. So I was. I was really excited. I was like, oh, thank God. I've been here since noon. It's 6 o'clock, almost 7 o'clock now. Um, I could be was wrong with my that timeline. late? He didn't. He was 45 minutes late, and he gave an hour and 30-something minute over speech. He got six. Yeah. An hour and 30-minute speech? He, you should read Steve's story. It was all over yeah. the place. Um, it, it was a it was a long. I I can't tell you a whole lot about what he said because when you're covering nah, these kinds I'm not of things, inter- I'm not interested in what he said. <laughs> I, I mean, know. I'm not interested in what Hillary says. I'm only interested in getting the picture. He apparently yeah. owns. That's a what this tracker. is talking pictures. You know. Uh-huh. Um, so, but it's so it's so essentially. He never I've covered. Did the rope line. I've covered really. Oh, so then he did. He, then he never decided. We to waited. Do the rope on, line. We waited backstage. Yeah. I watched a bunch of Secret Service. Obama's walk people back did that to me once phone. too. Oh, I missed the last forty-five minutes. His goodbye is blowing kisses to the audience. Missed it all. Yeah. I can only see it from behind the curtains. The thing yeah. is, too, he got there. At, I think it was approximately like four fifteen, four twenty. Was when he rolled up, and you didn't. You told me he didn't like get on stage until almost like five. Yeah, it was like, like four forty-five, four thirty. Yeah, because I texted you and said he's not even here yet. Yeah. he was playing. He was playing Pokemon around the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's private Pokemon. Us. Yeah, Pokemon yeah. Go. Get to get a crack. Wouldn't that? Man. You know what? Wouldn't that have been the photo? Oh, yeah. it really would have. He would have been him playing Pokemon after filtering through like all the Secret Service and like yeah. fake bomb threats and crap. Jesus. Uh, from an overarching theme here. Uh, it was 
a kind of a weird mix outside mm-hmm. uh, of people who were, eh, uh, you know, kind of excited. Uh, their Midwestern sensibilities might might have been getting the best of them as far yeah. as being angry. We're not. It's it's July. Mm-hmm. We're not closer to November. I think one of the reasons why he was so boring in January was because no one thought this was going to happen. Yeah, I don't think anybody. He was a novelty act. In, in, and now he's running for president and he's the nominee. And I think that that I have read countless articles and heard countless experts who have been predicting elections forever who had like, no, he's going away. He's going to go away. And, you know, here he is. Right. So then people are are cut are, are kind of disconnected from it all. Um, and people showed up to say, like, hey. I've never seen Donald Trump before. Oh, I'm yeah. going to show up. Were the people, the the, the supporters mm-hmm. that you ran into in the building, were they all anti-media? No, no. I mean, I ran into a lot of my friends, a lot of my personal friends. There were so many people. I don't know um, if half were Donald Trump supporters. Um, I don't know if they were. Ha- there were so many people that just came to enjoy the show. That just came to hear him say that he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and not lose a single voter. So many people were there to just see history or see what's going to be on the news the night before. That see I don't. I don't think that there were a lot of people that were anti-media, but I did run into a people that were anti-media, and they were up on the upper mezzanine next to a lot of the Hillary Clinton supporters that came as a protest to Donald Trump. They all sat up in the upper mezzanine, and um, so the. The hardcore, there were a few hardcore Donald Trump people that also sat up there um, right next to them. And that's where the tension between the supporters and the protesters, I think it was higher up in, it was higher in the building than I think outside. Um, Yeah. Because I I, I sat down, um, we got to be up in the upper mezzanine for I think a total of five minutes, which was super exciting. Um, But I I had to, I was sitting, um, I wanted to get a different angle. I just, at this point, I was shooting him for, I had been there since noon. It's like five five hours of just being around, you know, negativity. I wanted to just do something different. So I I broke away from the party. I went all the way to the very left of the mezzanine, and I sat um, on the stairs to shoot from the upper mezzanine down low. Essentially, for the the lack of anything, it's the balcony. It's the balcony. It's the balcony. Okay, so she's in the balcony. Um, Using technical, fancy, some some fancy, some fancy theater term. She's in the balcony, folks. I was in the balcony. Um, I had a lot of people that were very frustrated to have to share the stair room with me. Uh, I mean, they were in seats, but uh, I didn't think I was in their way. I had sat down. I'm I'm fairly small. I, I crouched down. But uh, I, I heard some muttering uh, behind me, and uh, I'm not going to say quite a bit of what they said. No, oh, I'd love to hear what they had to say. Uh, what did local Quad Cityans say about I the squirrel? I don't think they were local, uh, um, is the thing, is that I think the most negative people there were not from the Quad Cities. But uh, a lot of them said that I had resting bitch face. Uh, there were a couple of people, maybe uh, if I got laid, I wouldn't be so, I wouldn't be scowling that I was a fat ass, that I was taking up so much space on the universe, let alone this area. I mean, it was so... They were waiting for me to... You were being baited. I was being baited because there were cameras behind me and 75 iPads because that's what people bring to a campaign rally now is to film. You look like you're taking pictures of the Civil War. I mean, it's a huge camera. It's just unnecessary. But... um, (laughs) a picture of the Civil War. It's ridiculous. I'm going to go under the curtain. That's what it looks like. It's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) I think you just killed him. Okay, that was that. That's the highlight of the day for me, right there. Um, so, so you were getting you were getting baited. Yes, so bad. And it was because it was, it was so unwarranted that I knew what it was, and I didn't say anything. Because, well, that's because you're very thin, and you oh, usually yeah. have a smile on your face. Those are my the, the counter arguments. You're tiny, you're thin, and you're usually smiling. I was playing with the baby. unlike Brian, who is gigantic. For those of you, oh no, no, eight hundred pound man. <laughs> that's right. You need um, a forklift to get me through. It the was door. just ridiculous, and I knew that that's what they were doing because it was so unwarranted and I, I was not I was quiet I wasn't there for longer than a minute or two before it started um, I knew that that was what it was had I if I if I probably were you know 
like stronger willed and really wanted to make a difference, I could have said something. But at this point, I don't want to be the the YouTube hit this week. I really don't. I don't yeah, want to that's be a photographer a... that turns around. Yeah. And I, I don't want to paint a picture that they were all negative because there were a lot of people. I mean, there was one man that, that got my attention by grabbing the lens of my camera and pulling on it until my shoulder finally felt the weight of him to say, hey, that camera is bigger than you. And I was like, oh, that was... Uh, Oh, that's, that's I've the never heard. I've never heard that before. I get it every day, and I don't I've know. I've never heard. I've never heard people go, "Hey, you got a lot of camera equipment." Hey. I've never heard that. <laughs> Has anybody ever said that to you before? Insert oh. sarcasm here. Meg's looking at me like she doesn't know I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> Only every day. I feel broken hearted, like my balloon deflated. I was no, about to no. go on about how this was so unique to me. No. Um, it, it, no but well, you had it happen to the John Deere Classic where people, day. you carry a 400 millimeter lens down the middle, you know, down the edge of the fairway and you get some drunk guy, you know, go, hey, little lady, uh, that lens is bigger than you. Can you see the moon? I just want to know how to respond to that camera looks bigger than you. What do you want me to say? Finger yes. Guns. No. Just, just maybe. smile at them but and the, just wink and then. Pew, pew. Yeah, finger guns. Go like finger guns. Pew, pew, pew. You know what? I'm gonna. I'll experiment. I'll see. But I think that it was interesting. People. You could. You could. You could flip them off. I could. I don't. <laughs> want I would suggest no. I would say, hey, you know what, folks? If you are out there and you're a regular listener of the podcast. Uh, you could send Meg an email at mclaughlin at qconline.com and the best response as to how she should react to people who say her camera equipment is bigger than she is, please write in and tell us and she will then, we will videotape her or do something where she actually says this to someone and we'll put it on the blog or on the Facebook page. We have, forget Donald Trump, we have a Facebook page. Everybody, the Talking Pictures Podcast on Facebook, we're there. We post stuff that we do. We have it's so much easier to, <laughs> to update than the blog. Um, but we we put stuff there. We've got some slideshows. We've got every single podcast we've ever done is on the Facebook page. I I I seeded it meticulously one evening when I couldn't sleep. It's all up there. Uh, you can get a hold of us through the f- Facebook page. You can send us notes. You can send, forget about Meg's email. If you want to send us a, f- a Facebook message that tells us how Meg should respond, uh, to people who heckle her because of her size versus her camera gear. Um, we, we would love to hear from you and we will, we will actually, if you send us all these notes, we will then collect the best ones and we'll post them on the Facebook page, yeah. uh, and yes. repeat them here on the podcast. Well, thank you for listening. I, I hope we didn't, uh, I hope this was interesting enough that the kind of an inside, uh, baseball look at what, you know, these guys had to go through. This is, you know, and this is still very new to them. Um, it, they're, uh, they're still new to the business, even though they've covered a lot of really interesting stuff. And, uh, Meg is kind of an old hat at politics. She joined the business during the Iowa caucuses essentially. And we kind of threw her into the deep end of the pool. So she's covered all these candidates before. Um, but I, you know, they're, they're, they're both getting their feet wet and, and what a presidential race is like. And we'll hear more from them as we move towards November. And we hope you keep tuning into the podcast. I'm Todd Meisner. I'm Meg McLaughlin. I'm Brian Achenbach. And thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. The Talking Pictures Podcast is a production of The Dispatch, The Rock Island Argus, and QCOnline.com. To see some of the photos and videos discussed in our podcast, be sure to go to talkingpicturespodcast.blogspot.com. Talking Pictures is produced by Todd Meisner, Paul Coletti, and Todd Walbert. Thanks to Laura Anderson Shaw, Meg McLaughlin, Laura Frames, and Randy Fisk. The music was provided by Kevin McLeod at www.incomputech.com. Make sure you subscribe to Talking Pictures on iTunes or SoundCloud.